Everything that we have is from God. So if God gives you riches, that does not mean that he hates you, right? I don't believe that that's what that means. But when people really focus in on riches and money and how much they have, that is their consolation. That is their reward. Their reward is their earthly riches. And Jesus is saying like, your reward in heaven, even though you have to suffer these things now on earth, is going to be so much better, so much greater than any amount of money could be on earth. faithful listener, grab your cup of coffee and experience the Bible in a way you never have before. P40 Ministries is a podcast that goes through the Bible cover to cover. It's an awesome narrative that focuses your mind and prepares your heart for God to speak. So join your host, Jen, for a biblical podcast that's hilarious, informative, imaginative and fun the p40 ministries podcast listen now as we go through the book of luke Hello and good morning, faithful listeners. You know what? I am so excited to like be doing this podcast episode with you guys today because I haven't recorded one in a while, actually. I haven't recorded an episode since uh, last Thursday. Yes, I don't do these live, just to let you guys know. I do, in fact, record them and then edit them to um, to bring them to you guys because guess what? I'm a really bad public speaker. <laughs> And for those of you guys who go to my church, you will know that about me. Like when I get up on stage and I have to speak, I just, um, yeah, I can't do it. Like words leave my mind and then I don't know how to speak English anymore. So yeah, <laughs> but I'm excited to get back into it. I'm excited to talk about Luke chapter six today, verses 12 through 26, which is what we're going to be discussing. And this is actually called the Sermon on the Plain. So we talked about the Sermon on the Mount which was in um, Mark chapter six, five, six, and seven. And then now we're talking about the Sermon on the Plain, which is Luke chapter six for most of it, 12 all the way to the end of the chapter. So we're going to start out by talking about the first part of the Sermon on the Plain today and why it's called that. So definitely go ahead and grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea and let's start reading. In these days, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer to God. When it was day, he called his disciples, and from them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles, Simon, whom he also named Peter, Andrew his brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who is called the Zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who also became the traitor." He came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great number of the people from all of Judea and Jerusalem and the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases, as well as those who were troubled by unclean spirits, and they were being healed. All the multitude sought to touch him, for power came out of him and healed them all. He lifted up his eyes to his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor. God's kingdom is yours. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. 
Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and mock you and throw out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for their fathers did the same thing to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you, you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe when men speak well of you, for their fathers did the same thing to the false prophets. Oof. (laughs) Oof to that last part. Like, oh man, that is just, that's rough. Like some of the stuff Jesus says here. Like, woe when men speak well of you, for their fathers did the same thing to the false prophets. Like normally you would think that that's a good thing when people like speak well of your name. But like Jesus is saying like, it's not necessarily a good thing because that is what people in the old days did to the false prophets. And we know that the false prophets were not good guys. And we haven't even gotten to those books yet in this podcast. But we do know that the false prophets were evil because they were leading the people astray. And God gave them their reward, obviously, which was not exactly a reward, but more of a curse. But anyway, let's talk about verse 12. It says, in these days, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. I think it's really cool that Luke makes it like super clear that Jesus went and prayed because we know Jesus as God, right? Like Jesus was God, but yet he still felt the necessity to go out and pray to his father because even though he had infinite power and like wisdom, he still went out to pray to his father and he spent the entire night in prayer to God. So if Jesus finds it important to go out and pray to his father, Jesus, you know, Jesus, who is like infinitely like powerful and wise, you know, we also should be praying to God. And I think it makes it pretty clear that we are, in fact, supposed to pray to God. And it's more of a fellowship thing, I think, than anything else is just acknowledging God's presence, acknowledging that we need God and acknowledging also that God is our father and that we want him in our lives. So I think the the biggest thing about um, prayer is really the fellowship aspect of having fellowship with God, which is what Jesus was doing. I mean, he was in fellowship with his father all night. And, you know, this was a kind of the start of a turning point in Jesus's ministry as well, if you think about it, because this is when Jesus is finally starting to irritate the Pharisees so much that they're going out and trying to like convene against Jesus to see how they can get rid of him. I don't know if it was coming at, um, to like them wanting to kill Jesus yet, but it was getting close to that point because Jesus was ruffling some feathers And Jesus was not politically correct. And so the people at the time period didn't like Jesus, or at least the Pharisees didn't, because he was um, doing things that were not politically correct. So now Jesus is in this turning point of his ministry. He probably recognizes this. And so he does two things. First, he goes and he prays to his father and he has fellowship with his father in order to um, talk with his father about what is happening. Then it says that he calls disciples, 12 of them. Well, actually he had a bunch of disciples, but he chose 12 and called them apostles. That's something I never actually picked out before was that Jesus had more disciples than 12. I mean, that makes it very, very clear right here. When it was day, he called his disciples and from them, he chose 12 who he also named apostles. 
So I think a lot of times people are always like, we don't need to focus in on more than just 12 people because Jesus only had 12 disciples. But that's actually an untruth because Jesus had many disciples. It says enough that he was able to choose 12 apostles from his disciples. So we should be focusing in on, you know, not making the excuse that we can only like minister to 12 people at a time because that's, I've actually heard that before. That's, that's an excuse that we like take because we believe Jesus only had 12 disciples. But once again, that was untrue. Jesus had many, many disciples. And it does say, um, Jesus does say before he ascends into heaven for his disciples to go out and preach the gospel to every creature. So, no, we shouldn't just be focusing in on 12 people or under. We should be um, trying to spread the gospel to everybody. But anyway, so it says that Jesus calls his 12 disciples. Remember, this is a turning point in Jesus's ministry. So now he needs apostles or followers, leaders that are going to go out and, um, you know, build up the church. The interesting thing about this, you know, is Jesus had so many different types of disciples. He had one who was a zealot. And a zealot, this call this guy named Simon, a zealot was somebody that hated, absolutely hated Rome. <laughs> then he had Matthew, who was also called Levi. He had Matthew, who was the tax collector, a Roman friendly Jew. So he had two totally different political parties in his um in his uh, group of apostles. And then he also had brothers and people that are related to each other. But then it says that he has Judas Iscariot who became the traitor. So why the heck would Jesus choose Judas Iscariot out of all of these men? And really, I don't have a good answer for that other than Jesus knows the future. And Jesus knew he was going to be betrayed. And that was the way that Jesus was going to fulfill what he had come to do. But it is kind of funny that until Judas um, goes out and betrays Jesus, he's really not mentioned at all as like um, one of his disciples. I mean, he is, he was in fact one of the disciples or apostles, I should say. But like Peter, Andrew, James and John, those guys were all mentioned as always like saying something ridiculous or... (laughs) doing something kind of stupid but it is kind of funny that Judas is not mentioned typically as somebody that like did or said anything kind of stupid because Judas until he betrayed Jesus was probably like a faker he went around he pretended he was good he followed Jesus and only Jesus knew what was inside of Judas's heart but Jesus in fact chose Judas I believe because He knew that that was the way that he was going to fulfill what he had come to do. So after this, it says that Jesus goes up to this mountainous area and it says that he found a plane and he starts speaking to his disciples. So that's why many people believe that the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain are actually two different sermons. Because the Sermon on the Plain would have been in a flat area, whereas the Sermon on the Mount would have been in a mountainous area. So that's why people think that these two sermons are different. And they do have some differences in them, but a lot of it is the same content. But Jesus did, in fact, um, you know, say a lot of things several times. So that's why people think that these are two different sermons on two different locations. As for 
others, they believe it's the same exact sermon. But like Luke adds in a few more things that Jesus was talking about that Matthew does not. And then these people also believe that the Sermon on the Plain would have just been like a flatter area of a mountainous region, which could have also been the Sermon on the Mount. (laughs) So really, we don't actually know if these are two different uh, sermons or not. It could be the same sermon. It could be a different sermon. But for the most part, they're pretty much the same. And I think the point here, though, is just the fact of what Jesus was saying is very important that it was written down twice, whether it was in a different location or not. But anyway, it says here in verse 20 that Jesus starts preaching to his disciples, even though there was many people up on this mountain, because all these people wanted to go and be healed by Jesus. And that's the other thing about Jesus's turning point in this ministry, in his ministry, I mean, was people were starting to recognize Jesus as a very public figure, a very popular public figure. And so now he was just constantly being surrounded by multitudes, whereas before he wasn't necessarily as much surrounded. But now there's multitudes coming to listen to Jesus preach and also to be healed by Jesus. And it's interesting what Luke says here in verse 19, All the multitudes sought to touch him for power came out of him and healed them all. This is the second time I believe that we see uh, power going out of Jesus. It was first with the woman with the issue of blood where Jesus specifically says, I felt power go out of me to heal somebody. And now we see that power was coming out of Jesus to heal all these people. So the spirit of God was so great inside of Jesus that it was healing all of these people. But it's also interesting, though, because we think of, you know, when power goes out of somebody, that's probably pretty draining. You know, I'm sure Jesus was not like, um, <laughs> you know, like not tired after all this. I'm sure he was pretty exhausted after everything. But anyway, in verse 20, it says that he lifts up his eyes to his disciples and begins teaching them. So I think I mentioned in Uh, the book of Matthew, that I thought that Jesus was teaching to all of the entire congregation there. But then I like backtracked because I do think that Jesus really was only directing um, the Sermon on the Mount to his disciples. And now the Sermon on the Plain, if it is the same sermon as the Sermon on the Mount, we don't know. But if it is, it does specifically say that Jesus was talking just to his disciples here with all these crowds surrounding his disciples. And I think I think one of the reasons why Jesus was only directing this to his disciples is because probably at this point, um, you know, Jesus was he was he was making sure that his disciples were staying humble in the face of like all of this attention that the disciples and Jesus would be getting from all of these multitudes of people surrounding them. So Jesus was saying the first thing he said Blessed are you who are poor. God's kingdom is yours. So blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Yours is the kingdom of God. And that means just humbleness. So the first thing he says to his disciples is be humble. Blessed are those who are humble for they will receive God's kingdom. Then he said, blessed are you who hunger now for you will be filled. To me, I personally believe that this, this verse here is talking about a person that hungers for God. I don't believe this is necessarily talking about like um, physical poorness or physical starvation. I believe this is talking about people who hunger and thirst. 
You know, I think that is what actually the um, Sermon on the Mount was talking about. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So those who are hungry now, they will be filled. But then Jesus goes on to say, blessed are you who weep now for you will laugh. I mean, uh, if we're talking about a spiritual sense, which I believe all of these are, you know, the, the world, it says the world itself, the earth it's in mourning, right? Because the earth is mourning for Jesus's return because everything is so corrupt that even the earth feels it. I mean, those who mourn now, who wait for Jesus's return, who want Jesus's return and are mourning over everything that happens in our lives, everything that um, is so corrupt in the world, we mourn for Jesus to make it all right. It says that blessed are you who weep now for you will laugh. I love that because when Jesus returns, it makes it pretty clear that he's going to return with righteousness and with justness. So he's going to make everything right. Everything that people destroyed, he's going to make right again. So we will at the end of everything laugh because the world will be made right again. And I mean, I could even go on and talk about like the millennial age is what Christians like to call it. But basically what Jesus is going to do when he returns to earth for the last time is he's going to do away with earth, like the earth that we know now. And he's going to make a brand new one where we're all going to live in harmony. And that's going to be the new heaven and the new earth is what the book of Revelations talks about. So then here in verse 22, blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and mock you and throw your name out as evil for the son of man's sake. You know, the word blessed actually means happy. Happy are you when men hate you. (laughs) I mean, we don't think of that as being like a happy event, but Jesus is saying like, you're going to be happy when men hate hates you for my name because the the reward in heaven is great that's what jesus says rejoice in that day leap for joy when people hate you for the son of man's sake because your reward in heaven is going to be great i don't even know what that means but if jesus says it's going to be great it's going to be pretty great so we need to be leaping for joy when people make fun of us because we're christians or mock us, or exclude us, or call us evil, because we love Jesus. And that's what the the world really does right now. I mean, they call Christians evil. They call them haters, you know? I mean, how many times, I don't even know how many times I've heard that. Oh, don't be a hater. Well, I mean, Jesus says we're supposed to be rejoicing when somebody calls us a hater, you know? Call our name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Be joyful in that day because that means our reward in heaven is going to be great because the prophets themselves, the people that at this time period, the Israelites just like totally kind of worshiped the prophets back in these days, maybe not to that extent, but they loved the Old Testament prophets and considered them to be great men, great great people. And Jesus says, you're going to be great like the prophets are, the, the people that you you adore so much from the Old Testament, you are also going to have your reward be great, just like the prophets. Then Jesus goes on to say this next part, which I don't believe is mentioned in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. It says, woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. I mean, does that mean that God hates rich people? 
No, (laughs) I do not believe that means that God hates rich people because God gives us everything, right? Everything that we have is from God. So if God gives you riches, that does not mean that he hates you, right? I don't believe that that's what that means. But when people really focus in on riches and money and how much they have, that is their consolation. That is their reward. Their reward is their earthly riches. And Jesus is saying like, your reward in heaven, even though you have to suffer these things now on earth, is going to be so much better, so much greater than any amount of money could be on earth. And anybody that uh, worships that money, makes it an idol in their lives, that is their consolation. Then in verse 25, woe to you, you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. And that word woe means almost like danger, like look out for, you know, look out for you who are full now, for you're going to be hungry. So the people who like the Pharisees, that's the best example I can give. The Pharisees didn't believe they needed God. They believed they were full. They had their own pride. You know, they didn't hunger after God's word. They didn't hunger for righteousness. They believed they were good with their own power. And Jesus says, woe to those who believe that they are fine and that they don't need a savior because they are going to be hungry someday. Then it says, woe to you who laugh now for you will mourn and weep. I mean, how many times in scriptures does it talk about the people who um, laugh at other people's uh, inconvenience and like, laugh at justice and who party it up now and don't worry about all this stuff that this terrible stuff that's happening in the world. Jesus says, someday you're going to mourn and weep that you did that. Then in verse 26, woe when men speak well of you for their fathers did the same thing to the false prophets. And this is the one I mentioned earlier. You know, beware when men speak well of you when every man speaks well of you. I mean, there are definitely going to be people that speak well of you and that like you. But when every single person on earth speaks well of a person, there's a high likelihood that that person is compromising their beliefs to satisfy uh, the, the people on the earth. And that's just wrong. You know, we shouldn't be compromising our morals or our beliefs to make sure that everybody loves us and speaks well of us. That is compromising our belief system, and also not sharing Jesus's name with people as well. So obviously we need to make sure that we're not doing these things. We need to make sure that we're not prideful, that we're not thinking that we don't need God because we're good enough on our own. We need to make sure that we are not uh, laughing at injustice towards people. We need to make sure that we are not compromising our beliefs so that people here on earth will like us because Even Jesus here says that when people do hate you because of Jesus's name, your reward in heaven is going to be great. So leap for joy when that happens, because then you know that your reward in heaven is a great one. So this is the start of the Sermon on the Plain, so it's called. And yeah, I mean, we talked about Jesus choosing his 12 disciples today. We talked about, um, you know, why Jesus picked Judas Iscariot to be one of his disciples. We talked about the beginning of the Sermon on the Plain and why we are supposed to be 
poor in spirit, why we're supposed to hunger now, and even why we're supposed to rejoice when people uh, make fun of us for Jesus's name. So that's what we talked about today. But friends, you know, join in tomorrow, 6 a.m. or whenever you wake up for an episode out of Leviticus. We're moving further into Leviticus chapter 20 and are going to continue talking about Leviticus. We're almost done with Leviticus, by the way. We only have uh, 10 chapters left of Leviticus. So yeah, we're moving through Leviticus and soon we're going to be in the book of Numbers. So that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to move into season four of the P40 Ministries podcast as we move into the book of Numbers. But friends and faithful listeners, you know, Easter is like this week. (laughs) And I have some wonderful Easter devotionals that I illustrated and wrote myself. So you can color the picture while you read the devotional. And it is taking you through Holy Week. So grab those on Amazon. But here's a little commercial about the Alive Coloring devotionals. Do you need help spending time in God's Word? The Alive Coloring Devotional is a great tool for you to gain motivation and build a healthy habit of walking with God. Get connected to all the stories you've heard before, with intricate coloring pages and eight devotions discussing the days before Jesus' resurrection. Walk through this adult coloring devotional as you learn more about Christ's walk to the cross. The Alive Coloring Devotional. Come alive in Christ. Once again, guys, you can grab those on Amazon, and I'm going to drop a link to those in the bio of the podcast episode because there's one for adults and there's one for children as well. So grab both of them if you have a kid and do them together. But friends and faithful listeners, have a fantastic rest of your day. Happy listening and God bless. Mm -hmm.